0: This is the Employment Law Show.
1: Hey, hey, welcome to it, and good to have you along for the show again tonight. We got uh, lots of stuff going on today. As you know, you want to uh, call in anytime. It is 416-870-6400. That's how we rock. Uh, email address is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for all of your employment law information, anytime, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So let's get it happening on here on this Wednesday night. Skolls and, of course, Lior Sanfiru, co-founding partner, Sanfiru to market the most positively reviewed employment law firm in the country. How about that action? Coming up tonight, common mistakes that employees make, and they should be doing instead what they should be doing instead. We'll get to that, but the week that was is always how we start, pal. How are you?
2: I am well, John. Always great to be here. And, you know, Wednesday evening means employment law. So if you have a question, an issue, a problem, a dilemma. Now is the time to call us and get answers so that your problem gets resolved. So, if you want to chat, if you're worried about something, maybe today wasn't the best day, maybe the week wasn't the best week, well, you can make it better by calling the show. I can tell you what you need to know, answer the questions that you have. Take advantage of the fact you have one of the top employment uh, lawyers in the country answering questions, and I want to do that to help you on this show. And of course if you want to chat with me privately about your issue doesn't matter if it's a wrongful dismissal a vaccination issue whatever that issue mm. is you want to chat with me privately we'll get you that contact information uh, throughout the show so we can have a private chat or a private email exchange what have you there's ample ways to get answers to your questions but for now let's uh, have you call the show so that we can uh, we can make sure that we help you and everyone else and as you know, John, I want to start with a couple situations that came across my desk. Uh, first one uh, I'm going to discuss. I uh, was contacted by a, a young man who was working in a managerial role in a small retail store. So he uh, apparently went on a couple of dates with a co a coworker of his. Uh, they went on a couple of dates, nothing too serious. They did that. Sure. Then the employer finds out about it. They call them into a meeting and they say, well, no, no, we have a policy about uh, dating co-workers, especially for managers like you. You breached it. Uh, we're going to fire you for cause. Uh, and they fired him for cause and they showed him the policy and sure enough, they had a written policy that says that we are not, uh, we're not allowing uh, managers to date uh, people that work in the store. And uh he called me and he wanted to, you know, he was upset. He said I didn't realize I was doing anything so bad and nothing really happened there. We went on some dates. What's what's the big deal? Mm. So here's the thing, John. First of all, with respect to this policy uh they have, with respect to this policy, the the one thing to remember about it is the policy is no good if you don't get a copy of it. He's never seen that policy. It was sitting in a drawer somewhere up in the uh HR office and it wasn't communicated, and and it's useless. You can't be expected to comply with the policy or punished for not complying with the policy unless, of course, you've seen it, you've agreed to it, you've had an opportunity to consider it. That didn't happen here. Right there, problem for the company. The other problem is the fact that it's probably not cause either way. He went on a date with someone, even if he breached the policy, even if he knew about the policy It's not going to be cause. And the reason for that, and our regular listeners know this, is it's extremely difficult to establish cause. It's reserved for the worst offenders. So you can only establish cause if he did something so bad that makes it impossible to continue employing him. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm mentioning this here as a reminder on two things. Number one is it's difficult to, to terminate for cause. And in most cases, when someone is terminated for cause, it's not done properly. It's a wrongful dismissal, of their owed compensation. And second, about this thing about dating, inter-office dating, you always want to make sure if there's, an, if there's a policy against it. But just because you breached it, and I certainly don't recommend you breaching a policy, but if you did, that doesn't mean that you can be fired for cause. That doesn't mean you can just be fired without compensation. It's very, very difficult to do that.
1: So, I mean, when these when these two started having some sort of a relationship, should they put put it on pause and said, "Let me just go look to the manual." I mean, most people wouldn't bother doing that, right?
2: No, they wouldn't bother doing that. Then it's unreasonable to expect them. That's why the onus is on the employer to make sure that everyone knows what their policies are. And a good employer is not just going to give you the policy when you start working because you're going to forget about it. you're not going to be aware of it. You know, five years down the road. Uh, a good employer is going to, every year, is going to circulate the policies, is going to have you sign something that uh, acknowledging that you've read the policies and you've received them. Uh, if you don't do that, if you're an employer and you have a policy, you, you work hard to draft it and then it looks great, it's perfect, it's typed up uh, nicely, and then you put it in your drawer. It's of no good. It's a waste of paper. So a policy is only as good as it being actually given to employees to to read.
1: Again, uh, matters about this or anything else. you got lots of time here this evening, 416-870-6400 is how we do that. What's the uh, second matter you got going on, brother?
2: Well, John, I don't think you'd be surprised or our listeners would be surprised to to hear that still the kind of, probably the, the main question I've been getting or the main issue that I've been dealing with still has to do with vaccines. And I've right. had a lot of uh, individuals this week contact me and ask me about the fact that, you know, now that the vaccine passports are being eliminated uh, by the government of Ontario, if they've been let go or, or suspended because they haven't been vaccinated, does that make their case for severance better or not? So here's the thing. If you've been suspended or put on a leave or let go because of your vaccination status, I've said that to you before that you're owed severance. And if the employer didn't pay that to you, that's a wrongful dismissal. But the fact that now governments are getting rid of vaccine mandates and are essentially saying, well, we actually don't think that vaccine mandates and vaccine passports are that necessary to stop the spread. I think it just reinforces the strength of your case and the fact that if your employer wanted you gone, they had to pay you severance. So for those individuals that have kind of been sitting on the fence, you know, they've been let go or they've been put on the leave and they've been sitting on the fence whether they should pursue severance as strong as I felt your case was before, it's even stronger now. Okay, you have a good case, if you want to pursue it, you can. Now, I'm, I'm saying, you know, you should get vaccinated. I'm saying that to everyone. But regardless, if you chose not to, if you lost your job, you wrote severance. And now the argument for severance, the strength of your case is even stronger than ever.
1: Again, 416-870-6400, the way to call in for the remainder of the show. we got a couple calls coming in, just getting them all lined up here. And our topic for the night, actually, the first one off the top, uh, Lior, kind of relates to just what you said. And that would be common mistakes that employers make and what they should be doing instead. So let's just reiterate some of this: fire or cause or suspend employees because of their vaccine status. People just don't quite understand this. So just give it to me one more time.
2: So that's a mistake employers make. They believe that they can just fire someone for cause without severance if they're not vaccinated, or that they can just put them on a leave of absence and and not pay them until they, they decide to bring them back. That's not the case. In either scenario, the employee is owed severance, and that severance, you know, our listeners know, can be as much as two years' pay. It's a lot of money. You cannot be fired without severance because of your vaccination status. A lot of employers are doing that. Most employers are doing that. It doesn't make it legal. In fact, it's it's illegal. So what should employers do is if they want an employee gone because they're not vaccinated, pay them the severance. Otherwise, work with them to provide some sort of accommodation. Employers are not doing that, and they're going to ultimately have to pay the the, the severance bill.
1: More of these points coming up here, but oh the calls are top priority in that regard, we'll get to uh, to Mark. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for hanging on for a moment. How are you? Great, How are you? Judy, what's on your mind?
3: Uh, I work for a company been working there for about twenty years. Great company. They have a code of conduct policy that we review and sign off on every year. In that policy is conflict of interest and moonlighting. Um, I've been offered a a position, a contract position. To another company in the same line of work, I want to be able to do uh, both and, and please everybody, without uh, getting fired or or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, just thoughts on that. So,
2: what I'll tell you, uh, what I'll tell you in this situation is, uh, Mark, that if you do this and your employer, current employer, doesn't approve, they'll be able to fire you for cause. That would be a conflict. So the only way you can do this and not be fired for cause is if you tell them, you know, you explain to them why it shouldn't interfere, and they say, yeah, no problem, go ahead and do it. Uh, if that's what they do, then you're safe, you can do it, and, and you can you know, uh, live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you decide to say, well, I, I'm sure I, I can do it and no problem, and you may be able to get away with it if they don't find out. But if they find out, yeah, that could actually be cause for dismissal. Well, I'm
3: the type of guy to ask for permission uh, as opposed to forgiveness. And the policy does state that uh, if you need to, uh, please talk to uh, your manager or your compliance officer and and share the details and see how how we can go forward. I'm afraid that if I do share the details, they're going to fire me on the spot because it is in the same line of work.
2: Well... If you're saying, Hey, listen, if, would you have a problem if I, if I did that? In other words, you're not saying, I'm doing that. Are you okay with it? By then it's kind of too late. You should ask them permission to do it. Uh, if you ask permission and they fire you because you've asked permission, I mean, you can't stop that, but that would be a without cause termination. They'd have to pay you severance. So, you know, you have to decide, but ultimately I certainly would not do this unless you have permission from them and actually get it in writing to avoid future problems.
1: Mark, appreciate the calling. and am going to send you off for now. we got to get to some more calls and a quick break, which is going to happen right now. Dave, stand by. You are up next. And you have lots of time as well. 416-870-6400. Email is help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll continue. Employment law-
0: listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser the opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of global news radio welcome back to the employment law show Welcome back indeed,
1: 721 Wednesday evening. Good to have you here. Lior Sanfiro, of course, is anchoring things as always, answering all of your questions in between the phone calls. We get to this, common mistakes that employers make and what they should be doing instead. More of those talking points are on the way But I promised Dave to hang on, and he did so. Dave, how are you, pal?
4: Good, how are you guys doing
1: tonight? Good, man. What's, uh, what's on your mind?
4: I just want to thank Lior and yourself, John, for taking my call. Um, yeah, I'm... Uh, I had a stroke about uh, a month ago, and I'm still in a rehabilitation center. Now, I was I was with a company during I started with a new company during uh, the COVID of August 2021. So I've been with the company a year and five months now. Okay, good gig, but um, you have I I have benefits, but not short-term disability. My wife was in with HR, so my wife contacted they got EI, so I've got like an EI disability kind of the eye disability payment thing, which I, I guess maybe for the yep. last three, three months or whatever. I'm not sure. Now, um, I don't know how I'm going to be here. It could be another three weeks or two weeks or a month. Um, and then my, my role may change because of my abilities or still more therapy outpatient. Now, can I... If I, I can tell the company when I'm going back or, or when I'm available or when I'll be out of here, or whatever. Okay. But now the company does have long-term disability. Will I be able to do a long-term disability or do you think they're going to package me up because I'm already
2: injured? No, they're not going to package you out. They would know better than to do that because that would be illegal. that would be a, a human rights violation. So yes, if you have long-term disability, that policy says how long you have to be off work before you qualify. If, you're not able to go back to work within that time uh, frame, then yes, you can absolutely go on uh, a long-term disability and potentially that could pay you till the age of 65. Hopefully you don't need it. Hopefully you'll be healthy and and, and able to go back to work, but it's there for you. So no, don't worry about your employer letting you go. That's not going to happen. Focus on getting better. Focus on uh, if you're not able to go back to work on time, getting, uh, applying for long-term disability, if you have any problems with either your employer or your insurance company, call me at the office. We'll help you, but I don't expect you should have any problems.
1: Dave, appreciate the call again. That number to reach out to Lior anytime: one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Right? Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And to our uh, to our next call would be Don. Hi, Don. Good evening.
5: Gents, good evening. Um, just wondering if you could uh, opine on uh, the headlines of the past couple of weeks. Um, there's there's talk that lots of folks are, are in hot water getting suspended or worse for contributing to um, a political rally, let's say. And, uh, and it's been frowned upon by a lot of employers, et cetera. I, and I, I guess my concern is the source of this donation information appears to be hacked or whatever, um, awfully muddy waters. And I'm just wondering where do these folks stand in your opinion?
2: Yeah, uh, good question. I've I've done a bunch of interviews on this topic, so it's actually not complicated from a legal standpoint. If someone is let go because of that, that is a without cause termination, and that employee is going to be owed severance. In other words, the fact that they contributed to the, uh, the to the convoy or, or, or the fundraisers involved with the convoy does not result in uh, cause for dismissal. So an employer can let someone go. They can always let someone go, but they have to pay them. So those employers that say, we think that what you did is so bad that uh, it allows us to terminate for cause, no, that's a wrongful dismissal. And the reason for that is because it has nothing to do with their job. It's off hours, nothing to do with the job, doesn't impact the job. So if, if they were doing something that hurts their employer, then absolutely that would be cause. But something like this, even if the employer completely disagrees with it, even if the employer thinks that uh, you know they're, they're very wrong to contribute, either way it's not cause. So anyone that lost their jobs would have a very, very strong case for wrongful dismissal.
6: Very good. I appreciate it.
1: Thanks, Don. Appreciate the call. And again, 416-870-6400 is the way you call in. Just did. And working on down the line. Got Terry now. Hi, Terry. How are you?
5: Hello. How are you this evening?
1: Great. What's going on?
5: Oh, not a whole heck of a lot up here. I just uh, was listening to your show with interest. And I, um, I'm i calling in regards to a caller. of A few callers ago was talking about, um, um, you know, working on contract. Uh, after hours for another employer and his employer coming up, his present employer coming up with all these rules about conflict of interest and everything. And I I had a question, uh, you know, how in 2022 can an employer dictate to an employee, what the heck they do on their own time on their own private hours, Um, whether or not they, you know, they, they deem that to be a conflict of interest. I don't get how they're allowed to, to wield power over someone's uh, personal time.
2: Well, you're right. They can't really wield time only to the extent that it impacts their business. Okay. So what I mean by that is an employee is expected to act in the best interest of their employers. So if that employee is now benefiting a competitor, for example, of the employer, uh, that can hurt their main employer's business. And because of that, that employer is not obligated to accept that. So if if he works, you know, uh, at a computer company and uh, on the weekend he moonlights at McDonald's, then the the computer company would have no say whatsoever in that they would have, it would be none of their business. But if he works on the weekend for their major competitor, well, yeah, all of a sudden that's a problem and they have an interest in ensuring that that certain things don't happen. So it's very limited what an employer can do in terms of impacting an employee's uh, off-hour conduct, but if it impacts their business, then yes, they have an interest in it.
5: Okay, so but they they would have to they would have to somehow come up with the evidence that 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 employee is damaging their their business by. Wouldn't that be kind of difficult?
2: No, they, they don't have to show that they were they're damaging. They, all they have to show is that there's the potential
5: oh,
4: that
2: that something that it can negatively impact their business. So it's not uh-huh. that hard, actually. No, oh, not that actual damage was caused. Absolutely not. No, if the actual damage was caused, they can just sue the person for the damage. Uh, but the so. fact that there's the potential of there being an issue would be enough here.
5: <laughs> so that's why we don't see any Toronto Maple Leaf hockey players playing for Montreal Canadiens on their off hours. <laughs> you,
2: you got it. You know what? I was thinking of a good analogy. That's the best one. So good call. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Appreciate the call.
1: 416 Danny, good evening. How are you?
6: Hi, I'm not too bad. Thank you for taking my call. You bet. Um, Hi, Lior. I've got a two-part question for you, if you may be able to answer it for me. I'm already into long duration leave uh, beyond the two years. I've also uh, been accepted for CPP disability, and I've been on that for almost a year. And I'm finding now that I've been forced to – the landlord's going to move into my place, and I have to move – so it's got, everything's $2,000, 2500 and now that I'm on a lesser pay and on long duration leave for disability, uh, if I was to get a house and a mortgage, it would be cheaper at $1,400, $1,400 a month instead of 2000 So I'm applying for a mortgage, and hence what, I'm, what I need to know is, do I have to disclose to the insurance company... If the mortgage company lends me, you know, I use my first-time RSP stuff and as a first-time down payment, if the mortgage company, say, lends me, gives me a mortgage for 350000 is that classified as income? Do I have to disclose it to the insurance company, or is it none of their business because it's for a home? And then the second part of the question is, do I have to get, can I get a special letter, the name of a special letter from the insurance company and company, CPP so that the mortgage company can see the guaranteed payments that are coming to me and whether they're taxable or not?
2: So uh, first part, uh, no, you don't have to report that to the insurance company. It's not considered income. It's not going to impact your uh, your disability benefits, the fact that you're getting a mortgage to buy a home. Absolutely not. No issue. And in terms of uh, getting a letter, yeah, absolutely. They do that all the time. You'll be able to get a letter uh, stating that you're receiving X amount per month. Uh, and uh, yeah, that should be fine. And, and your bank can tell you exactly what information they need, but that, that won't be a problem either. They do that all the time.
6: Do you think that if it says long duration or permanent, there's a difference between permanent and long duration? I'm long duration, so they're saying if I get better, which my doctor and I already know I'm not because of my illness. But uh, will the mortgage company prefer to see permanent or long duration? Does it matter to them, do you think? And that's it. Thank you very much.
2: Uh, you know, obviously they, they they prefer permanent. I'm not sure what the insurance company would actually say. I think they can only say that at this point you've been approved until this period of time, and then you'll be you'll be reassessed. Uh, I uh, but I think that's the best that you can hope for.
6: I think they call it indefinite. And thank you very much for uh, for that. So I, I I was worried if I have to disclose it or if I'll mess up my insurance payments or what have you. Thank you.
2: No, Thanks, Danny. No appreciate
1: problem. the call. And uh you know, a reminder if, if that if that comes down the pike and there is hassles, uh that end, Danny can always again reach out to Leo or the other half of the uh, the firm can cover that stuff as well. And anytime you want to reach out, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred help at employmentlawyer.ca. 416 dot ca, four one six eight sixty four hundred, the number that everybody uses every day. We continue to do so. Mark, how are you?
2: Uh, good
5: evening, gentlemen. Uh, Lior, I have a question. I was—I'm a truck driver. I was a protester on Parliament Hill. Uh, I wore my company jacket, and I'm starting to fear now that uh, there may be pictures of me on the hill, whether through other different sources, that the company may see. Am I in trouble with my employment because I wore my company jacket on the hill uh, when I protested?
2: Well, here's here's what I'm going to say to you. Uh, are you in trouble? potentially yes, only to the extent that if your employer wants to let you go because of that, they can, right? And they may be upset and decide to let you go. Obviously, I don't know them, so I can't say. But if they choose to let you go, they can, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. But what I can tell you is that despite that, despite the fact you wore the jacket, if they were to let you go in that situation, it still would be a without cause termination. They would have to pay you severance. So can they let you go? Yes. Will they have to pay you severance? Yes, they will. So, uh, you know, in trouble potentially. Yes, um, the, what they
5: use, uh, I was defaming the company by having, being on the hill, is that where, where they're, just wanna know no. what way they're gonna go go with this.
2: No they, they they may they may take that position. I'm not saying that they won't, but it's not a viable legal position, okay? If they were to take that position, that position makes no sense. Uh you know, you you were there on your behalf the fact you were wearing a, a specific jacket. Yeah, maybe not what I would have wanted you to do in an ideal scenario, okay? I I would have probably say don't wear any uh, identifying uniform, but Correct. They may take that view and they may say that you know you make the, you made the company look bad so we're going to let you go but what I'm telling you is that despite that it would be a without cause termination and they will have to pay you severance
1: Thank you sir Appreciate that, Mark. And uh, moving on, uh, you want to give us a call? You got some time still? Yeah, for sure. 416-870-6400. In the meantime, common mistakes that employers make and what they should be doing instead. Here's another one. They don't properly investigate and resolve workplace harassment issues. That's a big one, too.
2: It is a big one. It's a common one. And, you know, yeah. th- for some employers, they say, well, it's too hard to to deal with this. We don't want to. Why don't the employees just figure that out on their own? Wrong, illegal, and employers under a very strict legal duty to take these harassment allegations seriously, to investigate, to do whatever it can they can to to uh, get rid of those problems, to make sure that the workplace is healthy and productive. And it's not just a moral obligation; it's a legal obligation. And employers often don't do that. They don't try hard enough. They say, "Well, we have other things to focus on." Uh so we're going to you know let uh let the boys be boys wrong can't do that. So if you're have if you have an employee if you're an employer and they complain about harassment well you take it seriously. You you ask information, you investigate, you talk to others, get whatever information that you can and ultimately figure out a solution. Maybe that means imposing better policies, having a training for employees. Uh, having employees that don't get along work at different departments, maybe disciplining an employee that's not behaving properly. So all these things are at your disposal, but you have to do it. If an employer drops the ball, that could be a constructive dismissal. Depending on the situation, it could also be a human rights violation. So employers must take these harassment allegations very, very seriously.
1: This next one I'm going to throw out the everyone can chime in if they wish they still got some time. This has been happening, man. This is probably the biggest one over the last two years, and that put employees on a temporary layoff.
2: Yeah, so it's a mistake that employers make. It's a huge mistake, and I, I've seen that mistake thousands, and I'm, this is not an exaggeration, thousands of time over the last two years, employers putting an employee on a temporary layoff. And it's easy to think, well, if everyone's doing it, it must be legal. Otherwise, how can everyone be breaking the law? Well, let me tell you, they are. An employer does not have a a right to put an employee on a temporary layoff. It's not something that they just have a right to do. If they do, the law considers that to be a termination. So the employer may not look at it that way. No, no, we're not terminating. We're just putting them off work for a while. Maybe it's because of COVID-19. Maybe it's for other reasons, but... Our hope is to bring them back, regardless. Regardless of what you're thinking or what your hope or plan is, the law says if you're stopping to employ an employee even for a short period of time, that employee can consider that a termination. We call that constructive dismissal. So many, many employers have learned that over the last two years the hard way. They put an employee on a temporary layoff and all of a sudden they realize, oh my gosh, now we have a huge severance bill. As much as two years pay per employee so what do employers do well you can have an employment agreement that gives you the right to lay them off temporarily otherwise you gotta have to pay severance so for those employees that are out there either still on the leave or being put on the, uh, or put on the layoff or have been put on a layoff you can treat that as a termination you don't have to wait till July. You don't have to wait till September. You can do that right now if you want. In fact, you could have done that back when the layoff started. Right. You can get severance. There's nothing the company can do about it. Simply put, there's no automatic right to put an employee on a temporary layoff. Still some
1: time, still some minutes. 416-870-6400 is how you call in. Here's another common mistake, a big one. Uh, Employers don't properly use employment agreements or maybe they don't even have employees sign agreements on time.
2: So the regular listeners that we have, our regular listeners know that for an employee, having a written employment agreement is a bad thing. You don't want uh, an employment agreement if you're an employee. Starting a job on a handshake, a lot better than a 10-page document. Writing something on the back of a napkin, again, perfectly fine, much better than a a long employment agreement. Because the law gives you all these rights, and oftentimes an employment agreement takes them away. Well, for an employer, the opposite is true. An employer wants to have an employment agreement, they want to make it comprehensive, and they want to give themselves as much flexibility and power as possible. Well, oftentimes employers don't do that. Uh, They don't uh, either, they don't bothered, they don't realize why they should have one, they do a poor job drafting it, or they just don't give any, the employee anything in return for signing it. If you already have an employee and you want that employee to be bound by a new employment agreement, you have to give them something in return, a signing bonus, a pay increase, a raise, a promotion, something. Oftentimes, employers don't do that, and that, that agreement that the employee signed is not worth the paper it's written on. So depending on your perspective, employee or employer, that employment agreement is an important document, but for an employee, you don't want it. For an employer, yeah, you want it very, very much.
1: You've often said too that, I mean, if someone's already employed and, you know, one day their employer walks up and says, oh, just sign this for me, would you? It's a nice, cute employment agreement. You're like, man, the alarm bell should go off for the employee, correct?
2: Absolutely. It's never... A good thing, a good sign if your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement. Now, if you see it and you you, you look, okay, well, wait a second, I'm, I'm suspicious, right? So you look at the documenting, okay, well, the salary is the same, so they haven't changed. That's okay, I feel better already. Let's look at vacation. Oh, wait, okay, the vacation is the same, so I feel even better now. Uh, let's look at my hours of work. Wait a second, they keep that the same. I feel fine, I'm just going to go ahead and sign it, right? Wrong. Because there's guaranteed to be other terms in that employment agreement that are problematic. For example, a term that allows the company to let you go with minimal severance. That could mean the difference between getting two-year severance and 2 months severance. Don't give that away. Or other terms that allow the company to change your job and change your pay. So please, be very, very careful. If you're being asked to sign a new employment agreement, before you say yes or no, before you sign it, let me see it. Send me a copy. You can email me. You can fax me. I can take a look and tell you very quickly if it's okay or not. And you can't be penalized if you refuse to sign a new employment agreement.
1: Let's get to a uh, call in between some of the more, uh, if we got uh, a few minutes here, that would be Robert. Thanks for taking the time, Robert. Good evening.
4: Good evening. Uh, Just wondering, uh, Courier, uh, um, basically, I guess, as a self-employed, they haven't increased the, the, the invoice for a long time. If I was to increase the amount on the invoice and they refuse to pay that amount and they refuse to work
2: with me, am I entitled to severance if they let me go? So you're going to be entitled to severance if they let you go. You're not going to be entitled to severance if they refuse to pay you more and you decide to leave. you understand the difference? If they say to you, Robert, you know what? We just don't want to work with you anymore. We're ending the relationship. Yeah, you're going to be owed severance. But if you say, well, because you're not paying me more, I'm going to choose to leave, then at that point, severance is not owed. you understand the difference? Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. No problem.
1: Thanks, Robert. Appreciate that. And we got a couple minutes. Let's uh, get to uh, an email. Uh, Chuck writes in, again, it's help at employment It says, Hey, you've already been trying to return back to work from a disability leave over the past month. I'm not getting any response from my employer. What do I do now?
2: Actually, a very common situation that uh, Chuck finds himself in. He's been off and he wants to go back to work and the employer's like, ah, oh, gosh, you know, we... We've kind of moved on. We don't really want to do that. So maybe if we ignore Chuck, uh, he'll he'll forget about it. Well, of course that's not going to happen. And an employer has to deal with you if you're trying to come back from a uh, leave. They have to make all efforts to bring you back if you were off because you were sick. Uh, and that that the moment they ignore you, that's a problem. That could be a human rights violation. That in itself could be considered a termination of employment. So there's two ways to deal with that. Chuck and already treat this as a termination and proceed to get compensation. Or he can just get me to give the company a kick in the pants. You know, the, the Leor famous kick in the pants. Because guess what? They're not going to ignore me. Uh, they may ignore Chuck. Uh, they may ignore someone else, but they're not going to ignore me. So that is an option as well. But ultimately, if you're trying to get back to work, your employer has to deal with you. They have to try to find you a job. If they tried and there's nothing available despite their best efforts, then and only then, they can terminate employment with severance.
1: Okay, Mark's email here too, just told me that because of restructuring, I have to take a demotion. I would like to know if I can refuse and if they can fire me.
2: Well, absolutely you can refuse, and can they fire? Yes, they can, because an employer can always let you go, but severance will have to be paid. The fact that you refuse a demotion does not mean that that's cause. In fact, if they impose a demotion unilaterally, that will be a constructive dismissal. An employer does not have a right to demote an employee. Uh, that's always going to be a constructive dismissal. So uh, be very careful in just accepting something like that because that can open the door to other bad things happening.
1: I'll uh, finish with Elaine in the last minute or two. says, uh, "Leor, I quit my job because my employer owed owe me uh, overtime and he refused to pay." I asked for payment many times, and he always promised that he would pay, but he never did. Is there something I could do to get the money owing?
2: Well, absolutely. You call me or you go to the Ministry of Labor to recover overtime, you'll get it paid. But it's more interesting than that. If she's owed overtime and her employer won't pay her, and that's why she leaves, that's a constructive dismissal. She's not leaving because she doesn't feel like working. She's leaving because her employer is not you know, living up to his end of the bargain. So because of that, severance has to be paid. So it's not just about the overtime. It's about severance. She can get it. Same with you if your employer is not paying you what they're supposed to, and I can help with that.
1: And that'll uh, just about do it. You want some help in any other uh, regard, you can reach out to Lior and his team anytime. Here's how you do it. 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. The email we always use, I just use it there. Help at employmentlawyer.ca and a free anonymous website built just for you, including inside there, severance pay calculator. That would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We're done. Back here in the weekend. Stick around, though. Alex Pearson coming right back with On Point. Right here
0: on Global 640 Toronto. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio.